Well, here now a second reading uh, from Matthew twenty or Matthew six, beginning with verse twenty-five through thirty-three. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single cubit to your lifespan? And why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Amen. Um. Who loves roller coasters? Yeah, I love roller coasters. Um, I really, I'm, I'm very serious about this. I really love roller coasters. Um, and so the best one I've ever ridden is the Batwing up in uh, uh, Six Flags America in Baltimore. It's amazing. You should definitely go ride the Batwing. Ask me about it later. Um, but the one I want to talk to you about today is uh, the Alpengeist at Six Flags, or sorry, at Bush Gardens. Loved Bush Gardens, loved the Alpengeist. So, um, how, if, if you are someone who loves roller coasters, where do you ride in the roller coaster? In the front. There are two choices I'll accept, the front or the back. The front so that you see everything, the back so you get whipped around and feel the G-forces. But I prefer the front, and so I wait, I'm waiting in line at the Alpengeist for the front row, waiting those couple extra chain, trains because, you know, everybody else is doing the same thing. And then I get into the front left seat of the Alpengeist and, and get on, and, and you know, it, the, the Alpengeist, for those of you who don't know it, is a molded seat where your feet dangle, um, and then a chest guard comes down with, like, two little metal things for you to hold on to. Um, and so I get on, start pulling it down, you know, getting ready. Um, it doesn't click, which is not super surprising for a guy my size. It generally takes me a little longer to get, to get the safety uh, stuff in place. And so I'm pushing down and, you know, trying those tricks where, okay, so breathe out and the chest goes down and we'll maybe get it to click. Um, and so I'm doing that, and the, you know, the attendant that goes by and checks all the seats, they push on them, make sure, well, she comes by mine and just does that. I'm in the front, so, you know, I'm easy to skip. And so does that, gives the thumbs up, all clear, and the train starts moving, and I'm like, well, maybe I just missed it. Maybe, maybe it's clicked already. 
And so we're going up, going up the train, up the hill. And I'm like, by, by the time we're about halfway up the hill, I'm still like trying to feel a click, hear a click. And I say, oh my. <laughs> maybe, maybe I missed it. Maybe it clicked. Maybe I'm just totally unaware of what's going on. And so I'm like, okay, I'll just lift it up and test and it'll be fine. <laughs> All the way. All the way up. And so I'm freaking out a little bit here, going up halfway up the ramp. Pull it back down. I'm a little anxious, a little anxious, but I haven't said a word. I didn't say a word when we were in the station because I don't want to bother anybody else. My goodness, heaven forbid I bother these strangers. Um, and so the, the, the thing's coming down and coming down, and we're going up, and I'm trying to get it to click, and I'm like, okay, well, if it's not going to click, I'm just going to have the ride of my life where my muscles are going to be in a like locked position on that thing, and I'm just going to have to hold on. And then... As we're getting really close to the top, it clicks. And you know it was going to end okay, because I'm here. Um, But it clicked. Uh, For me, this is the story I measure all of my anxiety against. (laughs) This is the story that I go... That's when I was worrying. That's when I know what it was like to worry about my life. Um, In our text today, I don't know what that worry is like. To worry about whether or not you have food. To worry about whether or not you have clothing. I know what it's like to worry about, well, am I getting a burger? Or seafood? Or... Where am I going for dinner? Or what, what, what should I wear to this particular thing? Not do I have clothing. That's for me. And yet, that worry is real for a lot of people in America and around the world. I don't know what that's like. And yet, in that worry, in that deep existential angst, God tells us not to worry. That's tough for me to hear. That in those moments of deepest worry, we we aren't supposed to. And so I think about these things, well, I don't worry about clothing and I don't worry about food. So have I done what Jesus told me to? Have I met the mark because I don't have to worry about those things? And I think that's because there's a temptation not to generalize the instruction. There's a temptation not to understand that Jesus, by talking about the most serious things that we can worry about, he's talking about all things that we can worry about, right? So, am I living into what God wants through this scripture? Sorry, I skipped like two pages. So, um... (laughs) So in in reading about this text, uh, I came across this story in Kierkegaard. Um, And it's it's a beautiful story. So there's this guy who is met with the stories of Jesus and becomes totally in love with the joy and grace and peace found in the stories of Jesus. And so he decides he's going to be a pastor. So first... He has to, of course, 
uh, get an appointment, get, get selected a royal appointment at this point in time, um, and, and has to become a priest that way. Well, before that, he really has to first go and be examined to make sure he's fit to serve. Well, before that, before being examined, he has to first go and study, has to find out the answers he's supposed to know. And so he has to graduate seminary. And but first, before being able to study, he has to somehow get accepted to the academy. And so after all of that has taken place, he's in his first position at his first church, at his first sermon. And he gives it on this text. Seek first the kingdom of God. And... And the bishop who is there praises him for how great the theology was. And Kierkegaard instead says, wouldn't it be so great if our actions matched our words? If instead of first doing all of these other things in his life, he had sought first the kingdom. Now, this, this phrase, kingdom of God, I, I want to do a little bit here. I used to think about it as a, as a noun, like as this thing that is somewhere else that will come down here. And, and yes, the kingdom of God will come down and be here. But it's not really like a noun kingdom. It's a verb. It, it's more of a, it's the reign of God. It's this action thing. It's not a kingdom that it has borders. It's a reigning Of our God. And so instead of it being something about a kingdom, it's something to do, something that we are given to do. And so in our text, God gives us something to do about our anxiety, something to focus our energy on instead of our worry and fear. Instead, we're supposed to focus on the reign of God. We're to focus on love. We are pointed to a choice we have in life. A choice between fear that leads to crippling anxiety, putting wedges between us and others, always suspecting the others around us are talking about us or want to cause us harm or just don't care about us. Or we can choose to love. We can choose to see our brothers and sisters as children of God who hold the divine breath of God within them. And that's our choice. It isn't about stopping all anxiety. It's about priorities. What will you choose first? What comes first? If I have to be, I, I have to be honest with you. We're going to get dangerous area here. Look out. Um, my priorities shifted about a fortnight ago. That's two weeks. I love that knit word. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I found a new resolve about two weeks ago. Everybody know what I'm talking about? I thought we might. Um. I I discovered that I needed to have a new resolve to shine the light of God in this world. To let Christ's light 
shine brighter and to choose love over hatred. My priorities shifted. How many of us lost friends or family this year because of politics? I know I did. How many people feel distance from the people you love and care about in your life? Now, I'm not promising everything's going to be okay. And I don't think that's what God's saying here either. It takes a lot to heal that brokenness. But what I do know is we start to need appreciating our adversaries, our political opponents. If we're to call to love our enemies, then we better know how to love the people we disagree with. We have to start finding a reason to be thankful and appreciative for others. I can't stand these tolerance movements. I know that sounds weird coming from me if you know me, but here's why. Because tolerating someone says, I don't care that you're here, it doesn't bug me. It says, but I also don't need you here. I want, if the best you can do is tolerate me, then that's not love. Choosing fear and tolerating someone and watching them with caution. Choosing love is finding what I need from someone else, finding out how they make my life better, finding out how they enrich my life. This is where we have to start. And what better time than right now as we're approaching Thanksgiving? I know some of us get anxious about Thanksgiving, about the family gatherings, I don't know if you have the dread that I have of seeing that one particular uncle. I have a lot, so you don't know who I'm talking about. Um, but, but, man, we're on opposite ends. And it always causes trouble. But if I instead choose love and choose first to see him as someone who carries the divine breath of God as someone who makes my life better because he challenges me. Thank goodness we don't all have my perspective because guess what? I get it wrong. Thank you, Jesus. We aren't all the same. (laughs) So on this roller coaster of life, We can't be like I was on the Alpengeist. We we can't be paralyzed by anxiety, too afraid that we might bother other people. We have to choose instead love and to speak up and to trust that others might actually care about us. I came close to dying that day because I was too afraid... To speak up and trust other people. I was too afraid to see the good. I was too afraid to believe that other people would be okay with waiting two minutes. So it's time we believe in the better in others. It's time we are thankful for those around us rather than suspicious of them. It's time we choose love instead of fear. 
and set anxiety aside and lean onto the reprioritization of our life where God is first and where love comes first. Amen.